is uh, just to to uh, repeat again the position of a monk and a nun is it being alms mendicants that we we can't really give orders or make demands so that we have to be invited to give talks or last evening we, we needed to be invited to have tea. We just can't, it was 12 midnight, time for tea. If uh, lay people want to offer us tea at 12 midnight, then they, then they invi- invite us. And it's important, I think, uh, that, we, that we remain in, the, in this way, to, to not take it for granted that the lay people are there to make tea for us, or that that's what, that, uh, that we're just going to go over, and if they haven't made it, then we'll, we'll get on their backs or something. We're not lords and ladies of the manor. We're alms mendicants, so we, we accept with gratitude what's offered. So that's the spirit of our life, giving a, a, a talk then is just, it's just a, a, poli- a, a kind of good manners to, to invite, the formal invitation. Now today, just what did you really contemplate what was your what did you uh, really look at and, and contemplate and reflect on today we have the body mental conditions don't we we have the, the sensory world we can we feel pleasure and pain we feel vigor and we feel weakness we feel heat and cold uh, we have uh, all kinds of views and opinions in our minds about what we want or need or like or don't like, or what we think we would like to do or don't want to do, about who we think we are. What, what is your uh, attitude towards yourself? Do you, think, do you think a lot about yourself? What kind of self do you think about? In, in a magazine I, I was reading uh, um, last week, uh, people put ads in these American magazines, uh, some, like wanting to meet somebody. Like uh, uh, this one was uh, shapely brunette with flashing green eyes wants to meet interesting man between 20 and 45. <laughs> Shapely figure. <laughs> Fascinating personality. Interested in art and dancing and so Do you think of yourself as a shapely brunette with green flashing eyes? In regards to meditation, what do you really think about yourself? Uh, the, 
what, what, what is it, the self that comes up in regards to retreats and sitting and walking? <coughs> this is for reflection. Now, they, when people begin meditation, they start with a lot of kind of hope and expectation and, and inspiration. Uh, usually goes along with the, with the beginning stages. And so that, that, that gives us a lot of energy and, and to just to carry us through all kinds of things. When we're inspired, or we're, we're really go, trying to get somewhere, do something. One, uh, one uh, say, like, like youth itself is that way. That we, we really want to, to make a name for ourselves and really not be like the old folks, not like our parents or the, the other generations that didn't make it. We're going to do it. And so we, we can, with, with that kind of interest and inspiration, uh, that in itself is positive and invigorating. <coughs> and then we begin to lose the inspiration. We, we can feel uh, weary and depressed and despair and bored. Now the way of reflection is is the mind you're always with the way it is you know you're, you're aware of you're, you're contemplating your hopes and desires your aspirations your the inspiration you feel the the ambitious desires you might have the hopes and a- anticipations as well as you contemplate the despair and the boredom and the weariness and the anguish or just the dullness and notice that the, the reflection is, is we're not saying you reflect on anything but just the way it is from my experience being able to do this and just being able to reflect on the, the way things are on the on the temperature of the room, the, the, um, the silence, the breathing, the, 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 uh, the gray skies, the sound of rain, all of these uh, are as they are. When we open our minds to them and accept them for what they are, then there's no suffering. We're with, we're actually with the moment. We're open, mindful, <coughs> full-minded, in other words. With despair and, and loneliness and anguish, when you're fully with it, totally accepting it, then it's just that. It's not a person anymore. In fact, I find sadness melancholy, despair, loneliness, peaceful when there's an a acceptance of them. One feels tremendously peaceful. But the minute I start resisting it, 
and and reacting to it, then it becomes a realm of suffering again. Isn't there always something rather attractive in, in say, melancholy or, or sadness? The fact that uh, so much poetry and, and, and uh, drama is about the, the separation and the loss of the loved and the end of the affair and the, and the uh, despair and the anguish of life. Is it just an indulgence in poor me I feel sorry for myself, or is it an actually, maybe is it a, a maturing and a willing to, to, to be this, have despair and to, to see this, the sadness without judgment, without rejection, without reaction to it. This is for contemplation. Loneliness. We suffer a lot from loneliness. And we can, so much of human society is really an attempt not to be lonely, isn't it? Let's entertain each other. Let's talk to each other. Let's, let's do things together so we won't be lonely. And yet we can... We, I was reading that article about three million old ladies in France sitting alone, waiting to die. Three million old French ladies. <laughs> Just uh, forgotten souls in, in little kind of console bedsits in Paris and other cities. Alone. Forgotten. Maybe they were once shapely brunettes with flashing green eyes. <laughs> but loneliness and aloneness, this is this is this is very much the result of of birth, isn't it? The being born in a separate form invites loneliness. Because inevitably we are really alone in, 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 in these forms. I mean, we can, we can pretend, we can, we can uh, kind of entertain each other for a lifetime. But when it comes to the actual experience of life, we are very much alone. Each one of us is alone. And to expect someone else to to come along to take away my loneliness is asking too much of anyone. It's just not possible. I mean, we can pretend we're not alone about the best we can do. <laughs> now the, the separation is, is what birth is about, isn't it? When you're born, you're separate. That, notice that when, when there is birth, there is separation. And so birth implies the b being attached to something that begins, that is born. Born is always, birth is the beginning. 
of everything or of anything. So the physical birth of the body, just that alone makes us alone, seem as a, as a, as a separate being. We're, we're not joined to each other, are we, physically? We're very much separate, alone forms. And that feeling of separation and vulnerability and the attachment to the body and, and the fears and desires that come from, from ignorance, then of course we, we, uh, we feel that we are alone or we dread or, or, or resist or, or fear being alone or left alone. So we can, we can create a, a world, like we can create a, a, a world of our own. We can live in, we can have imaginary friends, can't we? We can have all kinds of, of uh, interesting companions that, that we can imagine. But friends that we imagine, and actual physical friends, are, will always come and go, won't they? There's Im- imaginary friends, physical friends, enemies, the whole lot come and go, begin and end. They, they are born and die in our minds. So that the, the reflection on birth, conditions, death, birth and death, beginning and ending. During this retreat, this kind of reflection is, is, uh, is highly encouraged to just really contemplate what birth really is. See, this is. Right now we can say, this is the result of being born, this body. It's like this. It's conscious and it feels. There's intelligence. There's memory. There's, there's emotion. All this can be contemplated and reflected on because it, they're, they're mind objects. They're dhammas. They're not, they're not, uh, they're not the subject. In that all your thoughts, opinions and views all your all the, the sensory objects, all feeling, emotion, mood, perception, conception, is something that we can contemplate because they're the objects, they're objective. Now when you when you attach to them as a subject, like if you attach to your body as a subject or to your opinions and views as subjective me and mine and to your feelings as a subjective me and mine, then you're going to always feel despair, anguish, loneliness. Because there's always going to be the threat of death and the separation and the ending. Isn't it? If you, that's what attachment to mortality will always will always bring to us will always will always affect us in that way the attachment to conditioned phenomena will always bring fear and desire into our lives 
It's just inevitable. Though our lives can be, we just feel very anxious and threatened and worried, even when life is, is quite all right, when there's no immediate dangers and no great problems and everybody's getting along just fine. But there's still the ignorance, the avicca, the ignorance. And because of that, there's always going to be fear and desire from the attachment to the, the five khandhas, five aggregates. There's always going to be fear dominating your consciousness. Worry. There's various forms of worry, anxiety. How many of you worry a lot? Or have a lot of anxiety? It's all due to attachment. It's something you create out of ignorance. It's not ultimately true. It's nothing more than, than, than just the uh, avicca vajaya sankara, ignorance conditions the karmic formations. The worry is just that much, eh? uh, anguish and despair. If attached to, if, if attached to hope and expectation and, and uh, affirmation and confirmation and love and joy and, and uh, all the best in life, you're going to have the opposite along with it. You're going to feel frightened and anxious and despairing and anguished and lonely. So that's why in meditation we, we actually accept the feeling of it. Because when we do, we, we are no longer attached to it. Attachment is always from, from not accepting it for what it is. We, we, we attach. When we accept things for what they are, then we're not, no longer attached to them because they are just what they are. They arise in peace. They're not a self. So if you, if you uh, begin to, to practice accordingly, then despair and anguish are actually conditions which take you to calm and peace, loneliness, anxiety and worry, all these negative states. If you can embrace, accept them and the mood and, and not react and not try to get rid of them or indulge in them, they all cease. And so that, that the, the, uh, the, the mind that is open to despair, despair ceases. And what's left when there's no despair? I used to do a lot of meditation on despair uh, when I was in Thailand. You know. I used to have a lot of it. And boredom. I had a lot of boredom and despair. And a, a lot of the negative, these negative uh, emotions. Doubt and worry. Now there's a, a way of brightening the mind when we do samatha meditation and so forth, this is, this is to, to put positive 
effort and to use concepts and attach to to bright things, to inspiration, to beauty, to to uh, uh, things that, that make us feel good and feel happy and inspired and so forth. That's brightening the mind. If you contemplate a, just the flame on the candle, that brightens your mind because the flame is is light, isn't it? It's fire. And so this is this is what one one kind of meditation is brightening the mind, inspiring the mind. But that's not the way out of suffering, because if that alone is that's all you're doing is just trying to inspire your mind and brighten it and and be happy and positive then that takes you so far but i mean it, you have to you know, it's a continuous effort to try to to uh to keep these bright things in your mind when they when they go out then there's despair sense of loss so you can keep putting the turning on the lights all the time and they keep going out all the time too <laughs> <laughs> So what do you do? Then you begin to meditate on the dark, on the despair, the desire to, to be happy and to have the lights and to have inspiration, be inspired, get high. And the loss of, of the, the, the feeling of loss, of having lost it, lost your loved one, lost your brightness, lost your inspiration, So loss is to be contemplated. Now th- this is where we, we, we practice with wisdom to know when to brighten the mind, when that is appropriate, when to, to contemplate the dull, the dark mind or the dullness or the despair. It's not just saying, well, I'm, I'm not going, I'm going to t- take one and I'm going to do one and not the other. They both have their, their use. They're both skillful means. In reflection, you, you're aware, if you're just trying to, to get high by suppressing negativity, is that sometimes we just, we want to, to chant <coughs> mantras and, and practice all kinds of inspired teachings and, and, and samatha practices because we don't want, we, we want to run away from pain and anguish and loneliness and so forth. We don't want that. We're afraid of it. We want to get rid of it. Run away from it. So contemplate that. What is your, you know, do you want to just be positive and, and get high and happy because you're afraid? Well, you can do it. So some people are quite good at it. Very positive people can, can really... Uh, you're quite skilled, you quite have a lot of maybe positive karma that they can generate. Some of you are really negative, aren't you? Just the idea of of meta practice uh, turns your stomach, doesn't it? Some of you. <coughs> the Ebenezer Scrooge, Scrooges. 
<coughs> Merry Christmas, one and all. Bah, come back. <laughs> now, with the efforts we use to do this, different ty- kinds of effort. So one is to, one type of effort to really develop positive feelings and practice and be, to do something to, to raise up and produce beauty and, and positiveness. And there, so that this is, this is one kind of effort that we need to develop in samatha meditation. But it's, it's, a, some, it's a skill we're developing, not, it's not an end in itself. So that if you, if you just want happiness and get high and feel good and uh, everything, then, then and, and you're not honest about what you're doing, it's, you, you know, you're going to succeed for a while and then fail. And you feel you've lost it. Because you've invested uh, yourself, you've invested so much of yourself in being positive. And but being positive also produces negativity. Positive and negative are a pair. You get, if you grasp one, you get the other along with it. Just the way it is. So that in samatha meditation, we're say with uh, doing anapanasati as samatha practice. It's, um, it's not an end in itself. Just to be tranquilized, just to feel tranquil and feel peaceful. But even though we do get that result, that's fine. That's the result of, of, uh, of concentrating on the breath. But that's not, that's not the end result. I mean, that is, that is one result, to be tranquilized. Now notice in, in just the day, day today, what actually happened. Well, how much time did you have to just be tranquil? Or just having to move, go out and walk, uh, and, and uh, eat your meal, and go to your room, and just... Uh, with the way things are, you, you, there's a lot of things that are conditions that do not allow for tranquility. A lot of disruptive things or, or uh, unpleasant sensory impingement, confusion, demand, distraction. So with mindfulness, we can open to the totality of, of that. That's what I say yes, last night with this retreat. Open to the, the whole of the retreat at the beginning, the whole two months, for all the possibilities that can happen of, of success and failure, happiness and suffering. So that right in the very beginning, the first day, you've already consciously, in full consciousness and awareness, accepted all possibilities for two months. So nothing can really surprise you, can it? You're not thinking, I'm only wa- I'm going to get only, I want only the nice things to happen to me for two months. And we want to, to make everything happen. We want to control and, 
and try to, you know, make sure that everything's going to go all right. And if there's any, any sign of any threat to our security here, we've got to, we've got to do something about it. And we've got to get those lay people to, to, to put a fence around the perimeter or to get guard dogs or Dobermans. Got to do something to protect ourselves so that we'll have this idyllic retreat where we're perfectly safe and tranquilized for two months. But in ra- since that is that in itself is a miserable state to be in, isn't it? To worry about the possibilities uh, of that 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 are what what is possible that can happen in two months. We instead we take the leap through the whole, of all the possibilities, from the best to the worst, we accept in the beginning. Now that's done in con- you're, you're, you're do- consciously doing it. You're, you're, you're choosing to, to, to do this. And, and it, it, that it has, means that everything that happens during this two months is a part of the retreat from the best to the worst. It's a part of our practice, isn't it? That's what, that's what I'm saying. Everything that can, po- that can possibly happen during the next two months is a part of our practice, is, is the way things are, is Dhamma for us. Sickness, health, success and failure, happiness and suffering, Enlightenment or, or uh, total despair. Inspired or despire, desperate. Or expired. <laughs> now apply that to, to just your breathing. Mindfulness of the breathing means that you, you're accepting the whole breath from the, the inhalation and the exhalation. You're not just saying inhalations, uh, I just want inhalations. You're, when you're mindful of the breath, you're accepting the whole of it, the whole cycle. You're, when you're practicing Anapanasati, you're aware of the, norm, of the ordinary breath, of the way your breath is, whether it's long or short or whatever, it changes, irregular or regular, pleasant or unpleasant. You're not, you're not, you're not uh, judging it, but observing. Now, we, we can take just one little uh, exercise of, uh, of mindfulness of the breath and contemplate that. And from that we can, get, we can have insight into how to understand that the whole of life, from this lifespan from birth to death, is that I'm on the ex- exhalation of my lifespan. 54, isn't it? That's the exhalation. I'm on the downhill slide, in other words, to the grave. The crematorium. As some of you are still on the 
rising up side of life. <laughs> the Thurpula's on the on the downhill slide. <laughs> Towards the end of the exhalation. <laughs> so apply that too to your to, to, to your whole life, the physical life of your body. Just <coughs> the the rise from birth to to maturity and maturity to to death, to old age and death. That's the, that's the same pattern as the inhalation-exhalation, isn't it? <coughs> the times are different. I mean, in the inhalation is, is much shorter than, than the birth to maturity. But time is, isn't, isn't the issue. It's not the how long or short time is. It's the reflection on, on the way things are. That what begins, it rises up and then ceases. Now that is a cool, calm awareness. That's wisdom. That's not personal anymore. It's no longer, it's just like the, the inhalation, exhalation. We don't really make that very personal, do we? It's not, it's not anything uh, that we would uh, make a fuss about. If somebody said, I don't like your inhalations. You'd, you wouldn't be terribly upset or hurt by that insult, would you? Or why do you have to exhale? <laughs> With, but we can feel very hurt about comments about our youthful appearance or our not so youthful appearance, can't we? Because we're we, with with the breath, it's it's a fairly neutral uh, condition. It doesn't. It isn't. It isn't built fraught with passion, and that, but the but the uh, attachment to the body and its growing phases from birth to to maturity and from maturity to old age and death there can be great passionate feelings of me and mine and and vanity and pride and conceit and awful and jealousies and envy fear all this can generate from our attachment to the to the growing uh, to the rising up the inhalation of the of the body and its exhalation its expiration but when we can contemplate it reflect on it as it is that, that, that's a cool clear intelligence operating not not a passion it's not, not, we're not, we're not judging or, or commenting on how it should be or, or saying anything other than just noting how it really is. And so there's, there's wisdom and mindfulness guiding us rather than greed, hatred and delusion, fears and desires. During this retreat, really bring your bring, keep bringing your attention to the way things are. If you're, if you're in a bad mood, what is the bad mood like? 
Don't try to be, if you're in a bad mood, and, and then try to get rid of it. So what does it feel like to, to, fear, to have nasty thoughts and hate somebody? What, is it, what does it feel like in your heart? Or to feel resentful or bitter or to blame or to be jealous of somebody or to feel irritated. And what does it feel like? Because that's part of the practice, isn't it? If, 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 if we're frustrated and angry, if that arises during any time or many times during these two months, we've already accepted the possibilities for it. We're not saying that we shouldn't feel angry or jealous or frightened during these two months. We've already, in the beginning, allowed for all that to happen. It's a part of the practice. It's, it's the way things are. We're not trying to become angels and saints. Just trying to get rid of all our impurities and become the, uh, pure angels. Just happy and pure with no, with no kind of coarse qualities or impure thoughts at all. Human realm is like this. It's a, it can be very coarse and very impure, and it can be pure, pure, impure. They're a pair. So the knowing is of impurity and purity, non-attachment to either one. To know when there's purity and when there's impurity is mindfulness wisdom. But even if you have impure thoughts, to know th that those that that impurity is impermanent and not self, is wisdom. But the minute you start making it personal, oh, I shouldn't have impure thoughts, then you're stuck again in the realm of despair. Because the more you try to have only pure thoughts, the more the impure thoughts keep coming. Why is it like that? Why can't we just make a wish and everything that we wish happens? I want only pure thoughts for two months. Only happiness for two months. Only success for two months. And I don't want any of the... I don't want any kind of unhappiness or misery or sickness or anything like that. I don't want any of it. I want all the best and none of the worst for two months. You've set yourself up for the worst. <laughs> Definitely. <clears throat> You've made sure that you're going to be miserable for two months. Guarantee it. Two months of misery, unmitigated. Because you want one you want happiness and you, and you don't want suffering and you're not willing to contemplate or accept both. You're not willing to embrace both happiness and suffering. So you're going to suffer, that's all. Happiness is going to be such a, a remote possibility because you, it's all out of stupidity and ignorance that you've, you've created a realm for yourself that can only be miserable. You're going to be frustrated and, and everything's going, nothing's going to work right because you have not accepted 
misery. So in mindfulness, full-mindedness, all misery, all happiness, they're of equal value. No preferences. Happiness is this way, misery is this way. They arise and they cease. Happiness is still happiness, it's not misery. And misery is still miserable and it's not happiness. But it is what it is. And it's nobody's. And it's only that much. And no, nothing, and, and we don't suffer from it. Because we, we, already, we accept it and we know it and we understand it. All that arises ceases, all Dhamma is not self. So this evening, uh, this is uh, for this retreat tomorrow morning at Ring the Bell at 4. We meet in here at 5. And uh, really, really put effort into, into getting up at even before 4. Recommend it. Don't become a Pavlovian dog. Conditioned to salivate when the bell rings, or conditioned to get up when the bell rings. You can ring the bell. And we, can be, we can be just Pavlovian monks, Pavlovian nuns. Conditioned to get up when the bell rings. You can ring the bell. And Can be, we can be just Pavlovian monks, Pavlovian nuns. You can come in here at any at four or three or any time. This is, I think, this, this, uh, this is uh, right. Though it's not, you can't, don't feel that you have to wait till exactly five minutes to five or five o'clock. Try to to work around the schedule so that you. You're kind of, you're helping the schedule. You're not just coming in at the last minute or, or, or being late or, or uh, just, uh, you know, be just, fo- just barely following it. You're actually learning how to, to work with, with a, a schedule. Like I, uh, my my attitude towards them are always to, to to work with them to to not just think that oh it's this time but to to try to to work around them so that they so that the community and the whole situation tends to be uh, it tends to be wholesome and good rather than just a, a bunch of conditioned creatures. The bell rings and we all run. We all stand up. And we all sit down. We all do this. We all do that. <coughs> Sometimes you, you you can feel rebellious. I'm not going to be like those, all of them, and they're going to come in right on time. I'm going to come in late. But that is selfish, isn't it? That's mean. Just being rebellious and lazy and 
and and disruptive. It's not beautiful state of mind. It's not mature. It's not it's not praiseworthy. In a community like this, we're looking. We're thinking of the community as a whole. How to help it. How to to enhance it. Not, and, and not to be intentionally disruptive or rebellious or or cause uh, a lot of unnecessary problems. <coughs> See this this community here as as something that that you can that it's up to you to make it work. When I was in Australia, there was Ajahn Jakro talking to to the monks there, how they they had they tended to to let Ajahn Jakro do everything, thinking you know he has he's the he's the abbot, and then they wonder whether they should go to Thailand or go somewhere else where they might might be find a better monastery. I pointed out that if you you have to make these things work here at Amravati, these monasteries, they they're only as good as the people in them. You can't expect you know to to just leave it up to me and the and the a few people, senior people, to to make everything nice for you. That's not that's not beautiful behavior, is it? We we contemplate. Uh, from the from the newest member to the most senior, how to enhance, how to make it work, how to make it beautiful. What is community life, and and how to 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 give to it, and 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 uh, make offerings. This is what we can do. In a, in a family, in a community. Or the selfish child makes endless demands. What we can get out of the community, I want my rights and I want this and that, the selfish child. Or the wise sage, the sage, the being that, that makes offerings and, and uh, learns and tries to enhance and, and and improve and create harmony and beauty. But the community itself is not an end. It's not an end in itself. It's a, it's a means. So it, we're trying to, to have a means that is <coughs> that in which we can feel self-respect and confidence and trust in what we're doing so we can contemplate Dhamma much better. We can, we can see the potential of, and the possibilities of our human uh, karma and human existence. We're not trying to create a kind of utopian humanism of trying to the perfect society where everybody's happy, but recognizing the possibilities of, of, of conscious living and awareness and wisdom that in which the, the details of our lives, physical lives in, in a society, 
are directed in a way that is for the welfare of, of, all, of all the beings in the society. And, and when we have a sense of moral commitment, moral responsibility, and, and our practice of virtue, trying to, to do the good, look around and observe how, what good we can do, how to do good, how to develop the good in our lives and in the community. And with that as our, as our foundation, and our practice of Dhamma, our insight into truth, our liberation from delusion is possible. So I offer this for your reflection.